Hello, grappling fans. It's another edition of the Grappling Bulletin podcast. Myself, Howell Teague, joined by Corey Stockton, here to break down uh, a pretty big piece of news that is going to have some serious uh, ramifications for ADCC in September. That is, of course, that Craig Jones has announced he is changing weight divisions. That's not all. We have quite a lot of other news to cover today as well, including including another major name switching divisions at ADCC. That We have news and results coming out of, uh, well, places as far afield as Illinois and the UK. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Who's Next finale. Corey, how was your weekend? A lot of a lot of labor this weekend, but of course, lots of jujitsu as well on the back end. So there was a lot of jujitsu this weekend, actually. Yeah, I had quite a lot of fun. I got to say, you know, I was able to fire up the live stream and I was able to catch some events on replay. And that's one of the things I love is just doing that thing on the weekend and a nice Sunday afternoon. I'm like, man, I wonder what the what the action was like. Let's see and catch up on all the results and stuff. So let's dive in. Because I think the biggest uh, the biggest story to just kick things off here is, of course, you know, the, the who's next season is now complete. All the episodes have dropped on our website, and we're currently dropping them on the YouTube channel as well. And this season, of course, six episodes long, featured a 16-man tournament, everybody fighting in a series of no-time limit submission-only matches. And the whole point of this was to make a... Uh, one final match that will go down on July 14th on the Who's Next finale to crown the champion. And the champion will win $10,000 in cash prize and a three-match contract on Who's Number One. Yeah, great opportunity for uh, for, for both of these guys, um, not just to win the Who's Next, the, the very first Who's Next title, uh, but also to, to get a little bit more exposure against some big names on Who's Number One in the in the upcoming months and years. You know, it's kind of crazy, actually, because uh, speaking of big names, I mean, when we invited these guys onto the show, they're all promising up-and-comers. And since the show wrapped, uh, since then, three of the participants on the show have since gone on to win ADCC trials. We also had an ADCC trials silver medalist as well. So the the, the crew, the actual the, the guys that we had on the show turned out to be pretty good. But I think two of the most impressive, of course, were the ones who actually fought through to the final. As you can see, no spoilers because the episode dropped last Wednesday. You should have had a chance to watch it by now. Isaac Michelle of B-Team is going to be facing off with Kyle Chambers of 10th Planet in the main event, or excuse me, the main event, the final match of the tournament, the main event of the uh, of the finale on July 14th. What do you think about that? It's a, it's a great matchup. Both guys had really, uh, really tricky routes to the final. Um, Isaac had to show off a lot of his... Uh, the, a lot of his intricate game, right? His wrestling, his top pressure, his guard work. And Kyle Chambers impressed me in that he had a, a really rough draw of, of athletes uh, he was pitted up against, and he just showed his endurance and his ability to withstand a lot of aggressive attacks. I was particularly impressed by the Andrew Tackett match where, where Chambers uh, endured the earlier part of the match and then turned the whole thing around. Remind me, how long was that match? An hour and, an hour and 40? 40, I think? Yeah. Wow. The longest match that Kyle Chambers has ever had in his life, by the way. Um, yeah, an hour and 40 minutes, and, uh, and Chambers was able to win that one by a knee bar. Dramatic finish, right? <laughs> it was an incredible match. I remember being in the room for that one, and the, just the, the energy when he won was just incredible because, man, those those... Those long matches, they take it out of you as spectators, let alone the competitors, yeah. right? But when he got the finish, that was something else. Yeah, it really impressive uh, runs from, from both both of the finalists. And uh, it, it provides a really interesting matchup, a, a, a kind of uh, not a, not just a clash of styles, but given that it's going to be a no time limit submission only match, that always changes things. It, it makes things a little bit more wide open. Good point. Let's uh, let's talk a little about that first. So July 14th, what we're going to do is the event will feature uh, Gordon Ryan versus Pedro Mourinho in a 30-minute uh, submission-only match. But then the the finale of the of the series, the, the who's next finale to crown the winner, will be a no-time-limit submission-only match. It'll be the last match of the show, and it's just going to go until one guy gives up, just like all the other matches did throughout the season. And let's talk about the runs, because you mentioned a little bit, they both had tricky runs. Well, Isaac Michel of B-Team, so he had to go against the, the fearsome wrestler Josh Demas, a physical powerhouse in his first match. That was the qualifier to get onto the show. 
Adam Bradley in his second match. Adam Bradley, I mean, so tough. He had that incredible three-hour-plus match uh, and then came back. And, and how long was his match with Isaac? That was a long one too, right? I think it was an hour, uh, no, 45 minutes. Wow, incredible. Yeah, just so tough, just such heart. And then uh, and then his uh, semifinal match was against Jansen Gomez. And, of course, Jansen, a lot of people were picking Jansen to go all the way. So, you know, Isaac taking out Jansen was a big deal. And then uh, Kyle Chambers, in his opening match, he had to take out uh, Max Hansen to get onto the show. His second match then was against Mike Rakshan, the Sultan of Strangles. And then, as you mentioned, the semifinal against Andrew Tackett, which was an hour and 40-something minutes long. So that was... That was that was impressive from both guys, but I think that let's talk a little bit about the about how they match up because Michelle, well, we've seen a lot from him. You know, he won the ADCC trials in in Asia, Asia Oceania, and uh, he looked pretty good in the process, right? Yeah, and and like I mentioned at the, t- at the top, he he really showed off his wrestling. Right. Um, I think Isaac is traditionally known as a leg locker, uh, but has been working his wrestling and his passing game, um, and is really now kind of fearsome from all positions, and, and that makes him uh, an intriguing matchup for Kyle, who is traditionally a guard player. Um, Isaac, being a little bit more well-versed, um, might look to utilize top position and kind of wear Kyle out, but we've seen not exactly an easy task, right? Andrew Tackett tried and, and failed to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. So of course, the wrestling is such a factor in ADCC rules matches, but how much of a factor is the wrestling when it goes over to submission only? And of course, you know, Chambers showed that he has the the endurance, and of course, he has the the kind of the strategy and the survival skills necessary to go very very deep in those matches as well. Isaac, his wrestling and his top game was such factors in winning brown belt IBJJF World Championships last October, and then of course ADCC trials. But how much uh, how much use are those skills in no gi? Uh, excuse me, no time limit submission only. That's a that's a bit of a, a bit of a question mark. But um, Mich- uh, Michelle's been active, right? We've seen Isaac. You know, we saw him in action just very recently. So we, you know, we've seen the tape. We're able to study it and see what kind of shape he's in going into this. Can't say the same for Chambers because he broke his hand shortly before the ADCC trials in Las Vegas. It was a nasty break, required surgery. He did it in training, and uh, he only just returned to competition in Southern California. He's been on the sort of the very local scene, you know, just some getting back out there, dipping his toes into the competition waters, taking gold in some smaller tournaments. But hard to say what effect that may have had on him. Yeah, and uh, from from our perspective as, as viewers and maybe from Isaac's perspective as well, that makes Kyle a little bit more of a wild card, right? We yeah. we can kind of anticipate what we expect to see from Isaac in, in this match, but it's going to be a little bit more difficult to predict based on recent performances what Kyle's looking to do in this matchup. Very, very good point. Let's just uh, jump into the chat here quickly because uh, we've got some big Isaac fans in here as well. <laughs> we've got uh, some people here, Canna BJJ, saying they've got money on Isaac. Interesting. Elijah Thompson, 10th Planet for Life, is seeing Kyle Chambers. I'm not surprised if you're, if you're out of 10th Planet Oceanside. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is pretty divisive. I see I see comments going both ways. You know, Jonathan Jones is saying that he's got Isaac, but this one could go either way. I agree. Uh, A-Test is saying that uh, that Kyle's going to get slept. Wow. Okay, that's a, uh, that's a bold prediction. So, let's see. Let's talk about the full card though because of course this is the the finale of the season but it's not the only match that we've got on July 14th and July 14th is looking well it's lining up to be a pretty cool event actually um I gotta say I I like this one a lot you've got uh a bunch of the guys returning from the show and it's going to be mostly the sort of the you know the kind of the, the competitors we've got the red versus blue unfortunately a couple were injured so they won't be able to make it back but let's break down what the uh, the full card looks like shall we Corey? sure uh from the top right underneath uh kyle versus isaac is of course gordon ryan versus pedro Mourinho. that'll be a 30 minute match uh gordon ryan unbeaten in nearly 50 matches going up wow. against the who's number one light heavyweight champion uh pedro Mourinho. and then we've got andrew tackett versus renee Souza. Uh, Big Dan Manasoyu against Tristan Overvig. Andy Varela versus J-Rod. Oh, I love that match. That's going to be so much fun. J-Rod, J-Rod, of course, ADCC trials winner, 88 kilos. Andy Varela, silver medal at 77. And then on the free prelims, uh, you got the Sewer Rat, Spencer Fossier versus Mike Rakshan. Braylon Grout versus Josh Demas. And Fabian Ramirez versus Max Hansen. 
These are all No Geese Mission Only matches, and you can watch them all here on Flow Grappling on July 14th. Can't wait for that one. That is a midweek, by the way. It's a Thursday night, in case you were, in case you were uh, kind of wondering, looking at the calendar. But yeah, super excited for that. The whole Who's Next uh, season just got me so excited. I was watching the last episode last week leading into this. And man, let's take a look at the, at the very end, actually, because we've got a video where uh, Isaac and Kyle kind of face off. Let's take a quick look at this and it just gives you a sense of what this match will feel like. 16 of the world's best came here to Austin, Texas, and we have two left from the red team, Kyle Chambers. You can just expect, you know, I like to wear my heart on my sleeve, obviously. You know, I'm going to put it all out there because I know that's what it takes to become a champion. From the blue team, Isaac Michelle. The title's on the line, I'm the number one. Oh man, I think it'll be an awesome match. He's got a you know good cardio. He could go forever, but I think I'll be able to take his back and finish him from that position. You two battled your way through this tournament and will throw down on who's number one for the ten thousand dollar grand prize and the who's number one contract, along with the title of being the first ever WNX champion. Congratulations. Now, only two remain. It's going to be a huge, exciting match. I think Kyle's going to try to put it on me. He's going to be attacking me, and I'm going to throw down and, and do what I do best. I do whatever I have to do to get my hand raised at the end of the day. The Who's Next tournament is the way tournaments should be won. You get to a higher level, and you want to know who's the best, then you need to figure out who's next. And the way you do it is no judges, no rules, no time limit, no restrictions on the type of submissions you're allowed to use. This is the way a tournament's supposed to be. If you want to find out who's best, you need to find out who's next. Just be prepared, Isaac, man. That's all I gotta say. I just wanna have a great battle, man. I just already know that you're one of the best in the world, I'm one of the best in the world, and let's just put on a show for the people, nothing less but the best. What you guys can expect from me is just to put it all out there on the line. Who will be crowned the next great submission fighter? Will it be Kyle Chambers or Isaac Michelle? Find out July 14th only on Flow Graphic. Fight! Go, go, to the top, go, 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 to the top, go, 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 to the top, go, until I drop, I never stop. Who's got what it takes? Isaac will face Kyle Chambers in the live finale at Who's Number One, only on Flow Grappling. Who will be victorious? Who's next? So excited for that. Who's next finale goes down on July 14th. Watch it all here on Flow Grappling. Super excited. Okay, so let's move on because now we're going to talk about the title of the show, the ADCC Weight Division Changes. Now, you can see right here, we've got it on the sidebar. It's the next topic to go about, the ADCC Weight Division Changes. There were not one. There were two. But we'll start off talking about Craig Jones, Australia's deadliest mammal. Silver medal in 2019, under 88 kilograms. And it was, it was revealed... Some sneaky people already kind of had a sense that this may be coming. But it was revealed this morning he's going to go up to under 99 kilograms. Corey, were you surprised? Based on the kind of moves the B team made, maybe not maybe not so surprised. They right? gave it away. Yeah, Isaac competed at, at 99 despite being well underneath that at trials. Um, but smart move on them to carve their own path to make sure that, that Craig can move by putting a guy at 99 just to swap. Yes, I agree. Um, now, this is something that we're used to here at Flow Grappling because as every ADCC comes closer, there begins this furious period of uh, people dropping out, replacements getting called up, and, uh, and people switching divisions as well. Now, some people, they get ahead of that. They, they do the division switching very early on. I'm thinking a good example would be Mason Fowler, who won the division at under 99 and immediately after winning trials, dropped down to under 88. 
he did that while there were plenty of spaces available because the divisions there had been very few invites sent out at that time. So Craig was one of the first invites, of course, for the under 88 kilogram division, being a returning medalist. And uh, J-Rod qualified in that division as well, Jacob Rodriguez, also of B-team. And then, as you mentioned, Isaac qualified at under 99. Now, ADCC rules stipulate that two teammates in the same division cannot face off later than the second round. So if Craig and J-Rod both won their matches, they'd be facing off in the second round. And they train together on a daily basis. It's not like they're, you know, one guy's from one place, one guy's from another. No, no, they're on the mats together daily. And Isaac winning under 99, well, by switching with Craig, what it does is it allows Jacob and, and, and Isaac to enjoy their experience of competing at ADCC get their first match out of the way and win or lose they're going to face off with each other in the second round but it opens the it opens the way that craig can go to under 99 where there are no other b team members and he doesn't have to worry about facing off with one of his teammates he can focus on the job at hand and i think this is interesting because the under 99 kilogram division for me Corey, this is just my opinion but i see some really exciting matches for craig at under 99 kilos yeah, absolutely. Uh, under 99 is loaded with matches that we haven't seen Craig, uh, potential matches we haven't seen Craig have ever or if in a very long time. And I'm thinking particularly about uh, Nicholas Mergali and also, of course, Tim Spriggs. This is the big one for me. This is the huge one. Let's uh, bring up this quote, if you would, please, producer Nico, because as you can see, this was Craig's response when we asked him for his reasons about switching weight classes. As many after many years of in-and-out burgers and steroid abuse, the cut to 88 has become too difficult for him. Plus, with Spriggs declining the match and ruining the Who's Next show for all of us, he's happy to chase him up to under 99 kilograms. That, of course, was the division that Tim Spriggs was invited to. It'd be a crime against humanity if this man ever made day two of ADCC. So... We can cross our fingers that Craig versus Tim is going to be the first round at ADCC in September. Of course, anything can happen. We don't know what those brackets look like right now. But that, is, of course, is a match that everybody would want to see. The question is, how far can Craig go in that division, do you think? When you consider he's got to go up against guys like Kainan Duarte, over 99 kilogram champion in 2019. Yuri Samoyes, a two-division, two-time ADCC champion, 2015 and 2017. And then you've got some killers in there as well. You know, Rafael Lovato Jr. is in there. Uh, Gaudio is in there. Vinny Magalais, Elder Cruz, and of course, all the many trials winners as well. No easy matchup for Craig in that division. It's de He's definitely not moving into an easier division but I, I think there are no easy divisions at ADCC right right but I think he he's had two two turns around the block at 88 um and he's kind of experienced maybe where his style has a little bit of a gap right he's actually had three goes because a lot of people forget of course that Craig has competed at 88 kilograms since 2015 since his first ADCC experience 2015 2017 in 2019, and I think after three attempts, he's probably thinking, man, I've gotten so close, going to try his luck in a new weight division, where I personally, I see a lot more winnable matches for Craig in that division. Dan, for example, having to face off once again with somebody such as returning ADCC champion Mateus Denise, who was very good at shutting down Craig's game. So, a lot of juicy matches waiting for him. Personally, I'm very excited at the prospect of seeing him against such as Spriggs, Nicholas Marigali, Yuri Samoyes, Kainan Duarte, or anybody else. But yeah, I'd say uh, it's one of the more interesting division changes, shall we say. And of course, it's not the only one, because Gary Tonon is another big name that signaled his intent to switch divisions at ADCC this year. And he's dropped down to 66 kilos now. Like Craig, Gary Tonon had a pretty long run of competing in a specific weight class, under 77 kilogram division. 2013, 2015, 2017, and 2019, Gary Tonon competed under 77 kilos, hit the podium in 2019. But now, in 2022, he's finally moving down to the under 66 kilogram division. And in this video, he explains that actually it's... It's a long overdue change. Take it away, Gary. 
Yeah, so I've done fairly well in the uh, in the 77 kilogram division. I always did believe I was a bit small for the weight class, um, just based off of like the various athletes that I competed against over the years. Um, and probably this year was the, when I watched ADCC trials was the most distinct difference. I think I saw at least a uh, 10 pound increase, I would say in the relative size of the athletes that were competing in this uh, 77 kilogram division. Um, and it's not necessarily that that was what uh, kind of swayed me to move to this uh, 140 pound, uh, 100, sorry, 145 pound category or 66 kilogram category. Um, I've always kind of wanted to do that category, but I was never in a position to do it. So this is the first time where like, um, we don't have somebody on the team that's in that position where I feel like I'm imposing anything on them and it's, it's causing any problems. So I've always kind of believed that I could do fairly well at uh, 145 or 66 kilograms and we'll see what happens uh, you know, this coming year, but I'm excited to give it a shot. It's good for me to just challenge myself to cut to that weight. Cause if I can cut to a day before weigh-in of 145, I certainly can make that um, you know, in MMA if I ever had to fight in that weight category makes a lot of sense when you hear Gary explain it that way that yeah, so uh, you know, there have well always been the, teammates uh, in that division so the kind of he's been he's been stuck been pigeonholed in under 77 but personally I'm seeing 66 kilos the arrival of Gary Tona into that division that shakes things up yeah, and I think stylistically the, the move can, can work out in Gary's favor and that he's had some great matches at 77, right? I'm thinking of the, the Canudo. I mean, there's so many matches, but uh, he's always kind of lost to those guys who are very good at stifling the leg game and not allowing Gary to set up. 66, I think people are going to be a lot more willing to play that game with him and a lot more will- a lot more more uh, a lot less prepared to resist it, um, which you're right, stacks up the division in a way that might make Gary among the favorites here. This is a this is a good question actually. Is like where Tonon will sit in the hi- hierarchy of this division because when you create the seeds for ADCC, it's usually it's well, it's always the returning champion who gets the number one seed. There is no returning champion at the 66 kilogram division. Augusto Tanquinho Mendes is retired from ADCC. You would think that that would pass on to the silver medalist in 2019, Kennedy Maciel. But with Tonon having hit the podium at under 77, taking the bronze medal in 2019, that he comes in and he's automatically going to be one of the highest seeded names in that division. And there's some pretty powerful names in the under 66 kilogram division as well. I'm just going to throw a couple out there. Just the invited grapplers. Kennedy Maciel, Gabriel Souza, Ethan Crellinston. Gio Martinez, Diego Pato, Ruan Alvarenga, AJ Agazam, Josh Isneros, and then, of course, the trials winners as well. Ashley Williams, Sam McNally, Cole Abate, Keith Krikorian, Diogo Hayes, Fabricio Andre, and Jeremy Skinner. That literally sounds like a dream division. Yeah, and that is now a full bracket, right? All 16 names in the 66-kilogram division have been announced. Um, as you mentioned, two returning silver medalists in Kennedy Maciel and AJ Agazam, Gary Tonin, one of one of the few podium hitters in that division, really, which makes this wide open. An interesting mix of uh, of some of the older generation. Gary, of course, his first ADCC was now nine years ago, 2013 in uh, in China, and going up against a lot of first timers as well. Especially, you know, you're thinking about the teenagers coming out of Fight Sports Club, and then of course Kolobate of Art of Jiu Jitsu as well. So a uh, yeah, an absolutely very intriguing division, the under 66 kilogram, and one that I'm very excited for. So. We're going to now bring in our buddy Chase, who has relocated to Southern California to that jiu-jitsu hotspot, his native land, and has been pretty busy since the World Championships, touring up and down the, uh, the coastline there, hitting up some of the major gyms. What's up, Chase? Good to see you, man. What's going on, fellas? Great to be back. Yeah, it's been a, a phenomenal experience here. It's been almost a month since I moved to California. We hit the World Championships, and uh, I've remained. I'm still here, so life's good. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. There's a lot of good jujitsu down there, and I, we've seen. Oh, anybody who follows you on the gram knows that you've been you've been making the rounds. You've been going to lots of different gyms and and, and testing out the waters there in the local scene. How's your experience been there so far? Oh, man, I really am spoiled for choice. You know, Southern California was for a long time considered the mecca of jiu-jitsu beyond Brazil. Uh, maybe that's awesome these days, but trust me, there's still plenty of talent. And uh, 
for me, it's the perfect, perfect atmosphere, right? I go train, get some work done, maybe hit the beach afterwards. So you can see I'm a little, little tanner than when I left Austin, you know, a little darker. I think you called me leathery, leathery. <laughs> but um, it's been great. You know, I'm very, very thankful to be able to, to train and just uh, enjoy myself out here. Hell yeah, man. Well, one of the things that, of course, that you uh, you re- relocated to California for was to become our West Coast correspondent. And uh, after the World Championships, you uh, you uh, you made a uh, a priority to go and catch up with one of the few American black belts to win a gold medal at the IBJJF World Championships. You went to see the 2022 featherweight world champion Isaac Duerdline. And uh, I think people are really intrigued, actually, to kind of like hear, uh, well, not just Isaac's uh, Isaac's story to catch up with him following the worlds, but uh, it, it, he had um, he had an interesting journey to get here, shall we say, right, Chase? Yeah, you know, Isaac is a, a really inspiring athlete for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, he, he's a one of the, he's a sixth American ever to win worlds uh, as a black belt, which is pretty incredible. It's still a very small number, a very elite uh, crew there. But it hasn't been easy, right? Like uh, Isaac has been grinding away. I think he's been a black belt for six or seven years at this point, maybe longer. Uh, won a lot of different majors, including the 2019 Brazilian Nationals. He thought that was going to be his year. Fell short at Worlds. And then the pandemic hit and kind of derailed his momentum. So he's just been chipping away, essentially, at, at, at pursuing his lifelong goal of becoming a world champion. And he finally, finally made it happen. And it was really... Um, quite a, a tremendous feat considering that they were all rematches in his in his uh bracket and so a lot of these guys he's had close raised within losses to some wins over but the fact that he was able to just keep plugging away and, and find a way to win at on the biggest stage in the sport at the world championships is something pretty special we did a really nice long sit down interview of isaac it's almost a half an hour talking a lot about his camp how he got ready you know, where his mind was at. There's a lot of things going on in his life. He just had his son, for example, uh, you know, like a couple of weeks ago. So that was on his mind, of course, going to the world championships. There was an injury at play. But uh, one thing that was really on his mind was uh, a match with Sam, the guy. So I, I chose this short clip uh, to, to kind of highlight some of the inner workings that was going on in Isaac's mind. And you, you got to realize there's stuff going on in this and uh, pretty much any athlete, right? These these guys have a lot of uh, internal stress and pressure they put on themselves. It's not just technical. It's uh, they're looking at past results. They're looking at you know rivalries that they've had. And so this was definitely something that was uh, feeding into Isaac's motivation going to the World Championships. And yeah, I'll, I'll let him take it from here. So let's kick it over to this clip uh, for, of Isaac Doderline now. I beat like Josh Cisneros and I fought. The footlock kind of hit the main stage. Yeah, yeah, when I, when I footlocked Hitchin O'Gara. And then that was like, okay, it's like my coming back, right? I'm, my coming back party. And then came Pan Ams. And that's when it all kind of came crashing down. And then when I, when I fought Nagai, um, he beat me. He beat me good, right? And that was kind of, in my mind, like, I know that's not actually what happened, but in my mind, it was like, he took everything from me, right? I had this whole like 2019 season that took years, already three, four years as a black belt to build up to that point. And this newcomer came in and he just took that from me. So my mind was like, I have a lot of respect for the kid, but like I had to kind of tell, like, like just tell myself like this kid took everything and like I'm gonna do no matter what, no matter what I do, I'm gonna get it back. I'm gonna get it back. And I would like, man, you know, I lost sleep over that fight, that obviously. That follows you all the that way into the world championships. All the way into his world championships. You have no idea. Like when I. When I saw him win against Fabrizio the next day, I was like, all right, let's go. I was ready. I've been waiting for this moment for over two years. I was hungry, right? And, uh, and like I said, like, you know, nothing changed in my life, right? Like, I'm still, I still have a great life. I still have good friends around me. But in my mind, it was I was at the top of my career, and he just, like, took that away. So um, when I went out there and fought, especially to win in the fashion that I did, it was very emotional for me, um, emotional for my family, emotional for my friends, because they know how much that meant to me. Right, and just this tournament as a whole meant a lot to me because it was like a grudge match tournament. I, I, I got there were all re- every match that I had was a rematch, right? And I wouldn't take back any of the losses that I've had to those people because that because those losses is, is those losses are what brought me and formed me into the person that was there on that day, right? 
Wow, that is incredible. And you think that how competitive that that featherweight division is at the World Championships as well. For Isaac to come out to come out on top in the way that he did as well, I think was was so impressive. Um, yeah, really, really inspiring to hear. And uh, and, and what, Chase, what caught my my ear, yeah. Hal, real quick. I just want to point out when I when I was going through it and rewatching this. I mean, that's a powerful statement. He took everything from me. Like, that's a very yeah. intense thing to say, to hold on to for a couple of years. And if you know Isaac, he's a, he's a very mild-mannered dude, very, very, you know, low-key. I don't think he he takes anything personally, but that was a moment in his career that, that stood out to him where he's like, I have to get this back. And so waiting almost two years to do it, Shows a, a lot of patience and perseverance. And then, of course, he got the finish in that match. He hit his patented footlock there to uh, put himself uh, forward into the world's bracket. So, I don't know. That just really jumped out at me. It's like, man, that that that's what it takes at this level to, to be willing to put up with two years uh, of wait and, and just go for it when the time presents itself. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The, the, those high-level competitors have just a... a- they're just built different. They've got a, an entirely different mentality and mindset that us mere humans can't necessarily appreciate. But uh, speaking of the techniques that he used to win world championships, you uh, you didn't just go there to catch up and have a chat. You got to see him in action on the mat a little bit too, right? Yeah, 100%. You know, we, we've shot some techniques with Isaac in the past. We did an episode of Fix My Game. Highly recommend you guys take a look at that. It actually ties into uh, what he sh- has been showing recently, which is his footwork passing. And uh, he was able to give a little insight, show us uh, sort of the introduction to his passing system. It's a way to attack the seated guard. You can see the full thing on DoterLineJiu2.com. He's got a course that he produced himself. It's really good. I, I got to see some of it. Uh, he's a great instructor. But we should show a clip here. It's sort of how he gets into the system and the starting point for all the variations that will follow. There's, there's two options, right? There's what he calls the front door and the back door. And uh, I'll let him show the rest. But it's a very... Simple to understand system, but highly effective. I, I love to use it at a basic level, but I've been meaning to, to study this a bit more. So anyways, let's, let's uh, kick it over to the clip and show what I'm talking about here. What I like to do is when I'm facing the, the seated guard, I have to think about what's in front of me, okay? So generally, I'll get a pant grip and then a collar grip. The reason why I like the collar grip is because this creates an anchor and a connection to his upper body. So if I go here and he tries to collar drag me, He'd be actually collar dragging me into a better position where I can go for the Toriando, or even if he does it, I can go for a knee side as well. So when I make these grips, I feel very safe, okay, from that from that attack. And also I have two very strong options that I like to have. I call it the front door and the back door. So the front door is always gonna be, for me, the pant the, the side of where I'm controlling the pants. The back door is gonna be the side of where I'm controlling the collar. So his body positioning is gonna tell me what side I can go for. So for example, if I feel that I can bait Zach to go lean to his back like this, I'm always gonna pass to the leg side because I'm controlling the leg and there's nothing that he can do to really hook me. Maybe he can hook me, but it's very easy for me to maneuver around it because I have control of his leg. Now, if you were to lean back and I were to go to the, to the leg side that I'm not controlling, or sorry, to the collar side, look, well, look what's gonna happen, how he's gonna block me here. Look. Now he's gonna pull me into his guard. Now I have to deal with passing with pressure most of the time. So when I feel that he's hunkered down, engaging his core, this is gonna tell me that I can go to the backward side. Why? Because I'm not controlling this leg, so I'm gonna control it by controlling his upper body. So whenever I feel like he's hunkered down, this gives me opportunities to pull and then pass to the collar side, either by maneuvering around, or if you wanna get fancy, you can go for like a cartwheel pass. And this is how a lot of people do cartwheel passes, right? Because their partners hunker down like this. They can start to slap, they can jump over, they can go for a lot of options like this. Oh, what a great instructor. I really, I really like Isaac's style and breaking down the techniques. Uh, like you say, you got a chance to do an episode of Fix My Game with him uh, a couple of years ago now. And uh, actually, Chase, in the live chat, uh, one of our viewers, Jonathan Jones, has, has actually asked, will Chase's Fix My Game ever come back? Hey, thanks for, for asking. I believe Corey or Trey are going to take the mantle from me and uh, the series will live on. We're working on it. I'm still kind of coming back from an injury and stuff. So I'm back to training, but still not quite where I want to be to, to be on camera. <laughs> Chase's game <laughs> and, has been uh, fixed. He doesn't need to do any more episodes. It, so Either that or we've tried everything. We've tried everything. And the game, well, the actually, game wait. No, there's an is. offer here because Renee, Renee Souza, our oh, next uh, cast member, Renee has actually offered to fix your buggy choke. 
that that is necessary actually i, I can't hit it consistently i get my guard passed all the time so the buggy <laughs> choke should, should be i'm halfway there i just got to figure out how to finish the, the buggy choke but uh thanks renee anyways though the, the isaac fixed my game uh was great because it really changed the way i think about leg drags that was sort of the the topic that we spent a lot of time on and how it was really about killing the hip and not trying to sneak around to the back too quickly that's a mistake that most people including myself make is you see kind of oh there's the back is exposed go for it and they're able to kind of either gramby out of, out of danger or whatever but you haven't killed the hips this is a bit different in the sense where you're attacking the seated guard and more of an open guard scenario and uh it all changed together though isaac's got i think some of the best passing in the lighter, lighter weight classes especially at feather and yeah i highly recommend it we also have another video on the site of him attacking the turtle something that's not as sexy right as passing the guard like we see the turtle and like ah crap this could be kind of a slow tedious thing but that's that's the difference makers being elite in these positions that are not necessarily fun to work on like attacking the turtle i don't think is the most fun unless you're you know really into the crucifix or something but um anyways highly recommend it check it out check out uh daughterlinejiu.com for more of the the footwork passing stuff and keep an eye out for the the full length interview it should be coming to the site uh should be done with it by tomorrow i think so coming very soon. cool well, I'm excited to see where you're going to go next and who else you're going to catch up with now that you're uh, our man on the ground there in Southern California. A lot of good jujitsu gyms to go check out, and I'm sure you'll be revealing more to us next week and hopefully every week yeah. from then on. I, I, so. I could even give you a teaser. I know where I'm going next. I'm, I'll be seeing Kyle Chambers on Friday. So, Oh, I'll, I'll, there we go. We're going to get a little peek into 10th Planet ahead of the WNX finale. Perfect. Can't that's anything that's right. So, Kyle, if you didn't know, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of days. So, <laughs> it should be fun. Great awesome. to be back. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It feels a little weird to be calling in, not sat at the desk there, but it's nice all the same. Awesome. Well, you go and uh, hopefully there's a bit of surf for you now. Go catch some waves. Chase, thanks a lot for calling in. We'll see you next time. Peace. Well, awesome to catch up. Great to see what's going on, on the ground there. And uh, yeah, let's um, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the uh, recent results from around the world of the grappling world, let's say, because there's been some uh, some big Nogi events this last weekend. There were two in particular that we'll focus on now. There was the Midwest finishers that took place in Illinois, and then there was Polaris in the UK, the Polaris squads. So we'll start off with the Midwest finishers because Jordan Holy. And Alex Wynn both won the Midwest Finishers tournaments. And they were able to do so in both winning brackets as well because there were these invitational brackets and Holy was competing in the men's 155-pound bracket and Alex Wynn was competing up a little bit, let's say, Corey, at 125 pounds, both claiming the belts. 125 pound, new weight class for Alex. Yeah, we're used to seeing her at 125. Uh, 15. But- Excuse me. We're used to seeing her at 115, uh, but she looked great at 125. She had a, a number of submission wins and uh, against women who generally even compete heavier than 125. So Jordan Holy, uh, in in his run, had a series of uh, very quick matches. Actually, his first match was less than 30 seconds. That was a uh, a leg lock. In case you didn't know, uh, Holy is a, a pretty pretty good leg locker. Uh, he then submitted Ramses Bugarin in his second match. Both of those were actually by heel hook. Uh, he followed that with an armbar against John Lyons in the semifinal and then beat DeAndre Corbe in the final via fastest escape in overtime. And uh, DeAndre Corbe had his own really impressive run to get out of that side of the bracket. Uh, but you know what? Let's kick it over to our buddies at Midwest Finishers and they can just explain a little bit about the, uh, the results and then we'll get into playing some highlights and stuff. Yo, what's up everybody, it's Omar here. We just finished wrapping up Midwest Finisher 7 and it was a banger. The super fights were crazy, the brackets were crazy. We had the 125 pound women's bracket. Trinity Punt made it to the finals against Alex Nguyen. Alex taking home the strap and the cash. And then in the 155 pound men's bracket, we had DeAndre Corby going up against Jordan Holy. Jordan Holy ultimately taking home the strap and the cash. Man, the matches were crazy. We hit our first buggy choke and it was our first women buggy choke hit on flow grappling. I shouldn't be saying this. I probably should check my facts first. Crazy! You gotta log in August 13. August 13, we got the 185 pound uh, men's bracket. We got the 145 pound women's bracket. And it's gonna be stacked. 
tune in live on Flow Grappling. It's grind time, baby. Let's go. There you have it. Midwest finishes coming back August 13th with two more weight divisions for the brackets. So I mentioned a little about uh, Jordan Holy and his run to the uh, to the belt there. Let's talk about now. Let's talk about Alex Wynn. Uh, Alex Wynn of Standard Jiu-Jitsu. You've seen her compete on Who's Number One and many other events. Uh, great competitor. Had a really impressive run. All submissions in regulation time to take the belt here. Let's play this highlight as we are talking and uh, just take a look at some of the action. This opening match uh, against uh, Olivia, uh, excuse me, Beeskow, I want to say her name is, uh, was a, a rear naked choke. She then scored a, uh, a straight ankle lock against Autumn Gordon in the semifinal. And we'll see in a minute, we'll see her armbar against Trinity Pun in the finals. But Alex, uh, man, she is just such a, a, an ice cold competitor. When she goes out there, she's all about this mission. Yeah, and for an athlete at her at her weight category, at her size, she has a kind of surprising game in that she plays a lot of pressure passing in a really pressure oriented style. We saw that in her match against Grace Gundrum year, uh, back a year and a half ago now. Uh, but yeah, when she is on, she is sharp and she's looking for the kill every every match, every second of every match. Yeah, the straight ankle lock here, and I, I thought it was interesting that you know she played top and bottom. But you mentioned about her her top game; it was uh, very strong. But her versatility as well, you know, the, the ability to invert on bottom and to to find these submissions from various positions. But here's a look at the top game because the final against Trinity and Trinity Pun is uh, she's a very leggy grappler. She uses her long legs very well. She's got a, a killer triangle and various leg attacks from bottom. She was going for this pretty funky kind of reverse triangle from no arm reverse triangle kind of from bottom and wasn't able to get it but as soon as Alex got out the uh, the top game was so strong uh, oh we lost the oh no we lost the submission oh no but okay here it is back okay good we get a second look at it yeah as soon as Alex was able to get her head out of that triangle you can see she she drops back from top for this arm bar and, and the, the finish was clinical yeah, great, great, just fundamental style of jiu-jitsu from Alex Wynn here against Trinity Pun, who has a, a very tricky game. Yeah, so Alex Wynn uh, took the, uh, the the final, uh, took the belt there in the 125-pound bracket. As I mentioned, Jordan Holy with the 155-pound belt. Uh, both of those uh, highlights in every match with the full replay, but both of them, we got highlights of both of them going up on the site today as well. Uh, just wanted to give a little shout-out as well to Kieran Kitchuk, uh, the Canadian black belt uh, actually was set to face off with Jordan Holy in the uh, semi-final match, but unfortunately broke his ribs in the quarterfinal. Won the match via pretty spectacular no-gi baseball bat choke from top position, but unfortunately was unable to continue due to a, uh, a hairline fracture of the ribs, and he's going to be out for about four weeks as well. So that's a shame. And we're, we're not 100% sure. We need to confirm this, don't we? But as... Our buddy said there just a minute ago, we do believe that that is the first ever buggy choke done by a woman on flow grappling. We're not sure that Trinity possibly scored the first ever female buggy choke on flow grappling as well. So hard to verify. We'll have to dig into the memory banks. Maybe one of you guys can help us to verify that. But Renee, uh, that's on you. Yeah, maybe Renee, you can help out on that one. So, <laughs> but yeah, very impressive. Uh, Midwest finishes, as we mentioned, full replace on the site. And then we got more coming up in August. Let's... Uh, Let's talk about Polaris now, because while that was going down in Illinois, now we can cross the Atlantic Ocean and we can go to the UK, where Polaris was hosting their squads event. And this put Brazil against USA in a pretty intriguing team versus team format. Yeah, really interesting format over at Polaris. And the, the matchups that we saw out of that were, were really remarkable. Yeah, matches you wouldn't see anywhere else. I'm talking Mika Galvao versus Mason Fowler. I'm talking Igor Tanabe versus Hunter Colvin. I'm talking Gio Martinez against Fabricio Andre. So just some amazing matches that we were able to witness there. And uh, Brazil came out on top. The way that this tournament works, uh, it's uh, it's basically team versus team. Winner stays on. And the the teams, they, they, they compete for an hour. They have a break and then they compete for another hour. And they just every five-minute matches high paced um, really dynamic one minute break in between matches 
and just lots and lots of action. The guys competing uh, three, four times per half as well. So there are many, many matches. You got to see the same faces coming out again and again. Uh, and the winner uh, of overall, of course, was Brazil. And they did it only by two submissions to one. They had two submissions in the second half. Uh, USA had one submission in the first half. Mason Fowler submitted Kiwan Gracie Bering in the opening half. And then uh, it was actually Mika Galvao who submitted Keith Krikoria not once but twice in the second half to claim the victory for Brazil. But yeah, that was a um, that was a really interesting event. Uh, Galvao had amazing matches. He faced off Keith Krikorian, Gio Martinez. He also also went up against Nick Ronan and Mason Fowler. Those are some really uh, intriguing matches right there. But yeah, Brazil are now going to be the team champions, and they will be invited back to the next squads event to take on a new challenger, having beaten USA. Think about too the number of ADCC uh, competitors in both of those lineups, right? For oh, the US yeah. and for Brazil, and it's it's starting to appear that the uh, the ADCC athletes are coming out, getting warmed up, getting oh, ready yeah. for the big show. Br- bring that image again up once more time, please, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, producer Nico, because you can see in this photo alone, you've got four ADCC trials winners. You got Isaac Baez, who was the team captain, and won the in, under eighty eight uh, in uh, Brazil. Mika Galvao, under seventy seven kilograms grand winner and then Fabricio Andre and Diogo Hayes both trials winners are under 66 kilos so yeah that's a uh, that's a pretty powerful lineup and then um, on the other side of course you had Mason Fowler Gio Martinez they're both in at uh, ADCC Keith Krikorian's in at ADCC probably some more as well now that I'm, I'm names escaping me but yeah really really interesting uh, event very exciting and some great unusual matches shall we say but uh, yeah, that's it from the recent results and the matches that just happened. Let's talk now about upcoming events here on Flow Grappling, uh, of which we have many. We have many, many live events coming up. We'll, uh, I'll just run down a couple of them. You're going to Las Vegas this week for American Nationals, correct? That's right. American National Championships, uh, both Gi and Nogi events. Lots of, lots of big names showing up, so it should be uh, it should be an interesting couple of tournaments uh, in between the, the three days. Kind of running sort of like side-by-side, back-to-back almost. And, uh, and yeah, when does that start? Uh, it starts on Thursday. Uh, Thursday would be the 20... 29th. Uh, <laughs> runs through the 2nd. So we got Thursday through uh, Saturday. Saturday. Got Saturday. it. Got it. Uh, yeah, that's taking place uh, in Las Vegas this weekend, and then uh, in Europe there are two events on July third. I think you'd be hard pressed to find any event here in the United States this particular weekend, July third. But of course, in Europe, that date isn't quite so significant. So in the UK, in London, you have Raw Grappling, and uh, Raw Grappling have got a series of pretty high-profile submission. Uh, uh, submission only no excuse me uh, nogi super fights why don't we run through a couple of the big ones yeah let's start at the top uh bia basilio and fion davis uh rematch from 2019 adcc um a couple of other adcc competitors showing out including uh, ethan krellinston and diego pato which for me is the money match and then uh gabriel souza and ash williams and uh, Lucas Barboza is taking on Thomas Bratcher. Yeah, that, that's a that's a, a number of really high profile matches right there. I mean, of those uh, four super fights, uh, seven of the competitors are all lined up for ADCC in September. Just like you said, the ADCC athletes, the confirmed athletes, they are definitely ramping up for ADCC now in September. They're definitely uh, getting out there. They're, they're getting active, and uh, and yeah, they want to kind of get the momentum going. Uh, as they as they get closer to September, there is beautiful armbar from Lucas Hulk Barboza. He, as you said, is going to be facing off with the British black belt Thomas Bratcher, and uh, a series of other really cool super fights coming up. Yeah, excited for Raw Grappling. Always a great event. Really high production value. A lot of fun to watch. Some really cool matches every time. Love the format, and you can watch that here Sunday, July third, on uh, Flow Grappling. Let's uh, move on to another event, which is also taking place on Sunday. And you may be able to watch this one split screen or maybe just have like computer open on one TV or another iPad, phone, whatever, however you want to do it. This is Honor Submission Challenge, which is taking place in Italy, correct, Corey? Yeah, it's in Italy. It'll be uh, an, an interesting maybe change of locations for, for a lot of these athletes, uh, two of whom, as you can see, are already uh, over in Europe. Miki Galvao and Fabrizio Andre will be making the, making the trek down to Italy uh, for their respective tournaments. 
So why don't you tell us a little bit about how this event works? Because it's a, it's, it's a touch different to maybe what some people are used to. Right, so there are several uh, tournaments running. A 70 kilogram round robin, three man round robin, uh, as well as a 77 and a 99 kilogram uh, four man tournament. And then there'll be a super fight featuring Luis Paolo and Liam uh, Alpang. So, in the three-man round robin, you've got Fabricio Andre, uh, Jack Sear, and Alessio Zacchetti. So basically, those guys are going to fa- face off in a round robin, which means that they face off against each other. Everybody faces everybody. Whereas Mika Galvao is in an under 77 kilogram uh, four-man bracket against uh, the likes of Jed Hugh, Jack Tiley, and Omer Emanuele. And then in the over 99 kilogram championship, a heavyweight bracket, you've got Felipe Penner, Wagner Hocher, Manuel Pilato, and Cristiano Troisi. Wow. So, Mika Galvao is going to be in a mini tournament, so to speak, as are Felipe Penner and Wagner Hocher. And let's talk about the Mika match first, because we don't know what this bracket looks like just yet. But I see one name in there that stands out, and that's Jed Hugh. And he's been making a name for himself on the European scene, out of the UK, as, uh, as something of an up-and-comer on the no-gi scene. He's probably pretty excited be, to be going up against somebody like Mika Galvao. And this is an interesting match for, for Jed, and that Jed was in uh, the last edition of Raw. Looked really well there, looked, looked very sharp. Um, great leg lock game, really versatile game all around. Um, but this is definitely a step up. Mika Galvao is the man to beat right now. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity for, for Jed to put his name on the map. And then in that over 99 kilogram division, I'm just so uh, so stunned that we could potentially see Felipe Pena in a, in a match against somebody as, uh, as rough and ready as Wagner Hosher, so close to the match with Gordon Ryan. Of course, Gordon Ryan will be competing on July 14th against Pedro Mourinho. And then Felipe Pena and Gordon are scheduled to face off August 12th in Dallas, Texas. And who's number one main event right there in a no-time-limit submission-only match. So Felipe is not exactly taking an easy warm-up for this one. No, this will be an interesting litmus test for Felipe in that um, it wasn't too long ago that Gordon had that match with Wagner. Um, Felipe obviously 2-0 right now over Gordon uh, but going up against one of his recent opponents should be a maybe um, interesting way for Felipe to gauge where he's at uh, coming into the Gordon match that's a couple of years in the making couple of years in the making the most anticipated no-gi match in the world many people would say Gordon Ryan versus Felipe Pena but uh, we have some great interview clips with Gordon Ryan that have just gone up on the site this afternoon where he talks very candidly very openly about his history with Felipe Pena, including his first loss to Felipe Pena, uh, you know, how he first sort of discovered who Felipe Pena was and, 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 you know, the aberration that he had for him early in his career and this, uh, how this third match came to be as well. And uh, most importantly, of course, he gives his prediction. And Gordon has a habit of giving pretty, pretty <laughs> spicy predictions. So let's see how that goes. Well, that's pretty much it from today's show. And there's nothing more really than to be said than to go check out if you haven't already every episode of who's next it is on the website free to watch it is now being released on our youtube channel who's next mission fighter challenge and then of course the finale you can watch it july 14th tezos who's number one who's next finale presented by fat tire beer you can watch isaac michelle versus kyle chambers in the main events along with pedro Mourinho versus gordon ryan and many other matches that's not all we have so many live events on flow grappling It's going to be a lot of good jujitsu this summer. I'm very excited for it. Myself, Hal, Corey, I'll see you next time.